Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Starkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at starkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. All right, good to see everybody this morning. Open your Bibles to Exodus. We're going to be in chapter 2 and launch just a little bit into chapter 3. We left off last week in verse 10 of chapter 2 of the book of Exodus. And this book, although it's 3,500 years uh, 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 in age, it is not an old book. It is an eternal book because it is the Word of God who is eternal in it. That means His Word is infallible and inerrant and amazing, and it's for you. Tell the person next to you it's old, but it's for you. Now, here's the thing. Last week, we saw two amazing characters in God's Word, uh, Amram and Jochebed, the mommy and the daddy of three amazing children. Uh, their children were just significant in and of themselves. You had their oldest, who was Miriam. Miriam would be one of only nine prophetesses mentioned in the Old Testament. Their middle child, the dreaded middle child, would be Aaron. Uh, Aaron would be ultimately the spokesperson for Moses in front of the Pharaoh and ultimately the high priest of Israel. And then you have Moses. Moses is the man. All right? Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch or the Torah. Uh, Moses would, be, would lead a nation of people out of captivity. Moses would be, is the most uh, quoted or referenced Old Testament character in all of the New Testament. Moses is the most popular prophet in all of the Islamic Quran. This guy was the real deal. Now, at the same time, parents, I want to encourage you, they messed up. All three of them had big mess-ups in their life, and God still used them. So don't lose hope for your kids. Uh, they're going to mess up. You know why? Because the apple don't fall far from the tree. All right? We mess things up, and God is gracious, and he showed that in these young lives or in these lives of his children in the nation of Israel. Now, we left off last week in verse 10 where Jochebed uh, has taken this baby, not yet named Moses, and she has nursed him uh, for an indefinite period of time. You know, if you were going to give your child to the Pharaoh's daughter, the one who wanted to kill your baby, you may be nursing your baby till they're like, you know, 72 months. I don't know. But probably about 24 months. And then she takes her baby and she places her baby in the hands of the daughter of the one who wanted to kill him. A fearless move. And that's where we left off in verse 10. Now we're going to pick up in, uh, in verse 11 today, but it's important to understand everything moves quickly when you're reading in the Old Testament. On the back of your life guide, if you like to take notes, the title of the message is this, In View of a Greater Calling. In view of a greater calling. I want you to know this. Young people, older people, uh, the oldest person in here, uh, the youngest person in here, uh, God has a greater calling for your life. No matter what you accomplished or failed at yesterday, no matter what you are engaged in in terms of his kingdom agenda today, God has a greater calling. He's always wanting to move us to a new place in our journey with him. And always, 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 when we step into that at the right time, he whispers on it, breathes over it, and makes it beautiful. Because God is an amazing God who loves you more than you can possibly imagine. So much so that he wrapped himself in skin and came and died on a cross to save you and call you his own. That's pretty amazing. Now, that same God it speaks into the life of this man named Moses. Now, point number one which is often what God does when he wants to move us to a new place, I'm going to call a preview of the purpose. He just gives a snapshot, a, a glimpse of what he has in store for us. He, he doesn't give us all the details. 
Have you ever had something you've labored over in prayer with God and, and you want to know the answer to it, but he just kind of tells you bits and pieces, fragments. He doesn't just unroll the scroll and let you see everything he has in store. No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't work that way. That's not walking by faith. That's walking by sight. And that's not who he's called us to be. So he gives us glimpses. He gives us a preview of the purpose for our life. Now, here's what it looks like in the life of Moses. Verse 11. In those days when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and observed their hard work. And he saw an Egyptian man attacking a Hebrew man, one of his own people. You say, what does that have to do with a preview of the purpose? Well, if you keep reading the Bible, it often gives us commentary on the rest of the Bible. And over in Acts chapter 7, verse 23, it points to this, what happened in the life of Moses, where he gets a preview of his purpose. It says, Acts 7, 23, when Moses was 40, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Now, here's what's amazing. Verse 10, he's just finished nursing. He's like two. Verse 11, he's 40, okay? Change the page, right? And, and so now he's 40, and, and Acts tells us that it came into his heart. That something happened in his inner being where God was inviting him out of where he was to a different place, another step in the journey with God. And this is good stuff because that's what it looks like in, in, at its foundation, you're just living your life, everything is good, and all of a sudden, something just turns in your heart. Something like invites us to a different place, and it happened to Moses. And so he visited with them. Now, here's why this is important. Uh, Moses was like the stud. He, he was the man among men. He, he was the man every man aspired to be. He was the man every woman wished they would be with. Okay, he was the guy. All right, he is a 40-year-old heir apparent to the Pharaoh who is arguably one of the most powerful country, uh, nations in the world, okay, in all of history. And he's heir apparent. I mean, he's got it going on. He, he has lived almost 40 years in the land of the rich, the lifestyle of the rich and famous. If you had a TV back then, you turn it on MTV, got Moses' crib on there. I mean, everything about him, people were impressed with. He had the greatest education. He had all the wealth. He lived in the fanciest house. He drove the fanciest chariot. He went to the finest vacation spots. I mean, he had it going on. And it's in this kind of environment that God just whispers and gives us a preview of our purpose. And so sometimes when people rise in status, it's not uncommon for us to forget really how common we are. You see, Moses had been away from the enslaved nation of Israel for 40 years. He was around them, he saw them, but he was removed from them. And God had a plan in it. God was getting him ready for something bigger. God was looking after Moses while he was looking after Israel. And you say, well, they were in captivity. Yes, they were. For 400 years, they were in slavery. Why? Because God put them in a place where he could build a nation. What went in was 70 descendants of Israel, of Jacob. 70 descendants. What came out is estimated at two and a half million. Okay? They were trained to work. They were trained to build great things. They were tra trained uh, to care for animals. God was just preparing them for a new day. And so here's Moses. And if anybody had a reason 
to kind of forget where he came from. Moses is your guy. But Moses didn't do that. Deep in his heart, something happened. A, a greater calling just rose up within him. Like, man, I, I could be the king of Egypt, but I've got this people group over here, my people group, who are enslaved and they're in bondage, and they're miserable. They're being mistreated, and, and things begin to turn in his heart. And so he was at the crossroads. Now, here's, what, here's the way it should be in all of our lives. In all of our lives, there should be a place like this moment where inside us we move from being a child to move, and we move to being an adult, a place where we don't think like we used to think. And this, Moses was 40, and I know some of y'all have students that still live at home. You're thinking, they're going to be here till they're 40. They probably will be. You know, nobody, nobody wants to, 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 to grow up anymore. Everybody wants to be taken care of. You know, I went to Taco Bell. That's some fine dining. That's, the, that's where we eat. We Taco Bell and Waffle House, and we have grandchildren, okay? And, and this guy was going nuts because he said, my screen's full. I don't even know. He's, he had to, he, he thought he, I don't know why he felt like I was his counselor. He said, I'm sorry, man. I'm the only one here. I'm not even supposed to be in the back. This guy's like my age. And he said, I don't know when I'm going to get your order. The screen is full. And I was like, the screen's full. Oh, you know, I said, well, I'll sit over here and do a little work. And when the screen's not full, let me know when my tacos are ready. It's okay. And, and why? He said, we can't get anybody to work. That's the world we live in. Okay. So, so Moses now just, Moses had to grow up. And now he's 40 and something moved within him. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 11 says this. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I set aside childish things. Every dream that he had ever had had now changed. His dream, his dream just changed from being the, the king of Egypt to being an emancipator to the nation of Israel. I mean, everything has changed. And so since he could eat solid food... He knows what it's like to be an Egyptian. He knows what it's like to be served and to be coddled and to be taken care of and to be trained. And he knows what, what, professional, uh, what professionalism is and he knows what accomplishments are and what building things is all about. He knows all of that, but there's much that he doesn't know. But he thinks he knows it all. Have you ever known somebody, this is good, we can point fingers at other people. Have you ever known somebody that one day they think they have all the answers to all the questions that nobody's asking? I mean, they know everything, you know? That, that's what they think. We all do that. We all come to a place where we kind of think we know all the answers. And we don't know all the answers. We know some of the answers to some of the things. And that was who Moses was. He, but he thought he had it all together. So in verse 10... Moses is heir apparent in line to be the next Pharaoh. And in verse 11, verse 11, everything changes. Now all of a sudden he thinks he's Abraham Lincoln. Now all of a sudden he thinks I'm Martin Luther King. I'm going to emancipate and liberate two and a half million people. Yesterday I was going to be the Pharaoh. Today I'm Abraham Lincoln. And, and that's what we do sometimes when we get a, 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 we get a glimpse of what it is God wants in our life. We, everything, we think everything changes in a moment. I want to tell you something. It doesn't work that way. When God speaks into our heart, it's the first step of the journey. When he shows us the greater, his greater will, he's not showing us where we are. He's showing us where he wants to take us. And so sometimes 
We need to just kind of wait. We need to to get ourselves ready for God to show us what is next in our life. You see, Moses didn't know yet that the wisdom and the ways of Egypt, although they worked great in Egypt, where everybody was wealthy and free, they don't work well in Goshen, where everybody is impoverished and enslaved. Sometimes we think our credentials are universal, that they can cross all boundaries and and accomplish anything we ever need to accomplish. And sometimes our heart may be right, and sometimes our motivation may be on solid ground. When we get this preview of our purpose, we're ready to go, but truly we're just not ready. I'll give you an example. I know my calling. I know my spiritual gift set. I know my physical, I guess you would call it, emotional gift set I know my education I know my experiences and all of those lead to make me a leader a teacher a motivator a visionary I think I ought to be governor amen that's what a governor needs or I think I need to be maybe the principal of the local high school because those are the same skill sets let me tell you what I don't need to be governor Let me tell you what else I better not be, okay? High school principal, okay? I I got to go see the high school principal a lot, but I shouldn't be the high school principal, okay? Now, now here's the thing. It's the same skill set. But God takes our skill set and our giftings, and he refines it, and he purposes it for his greater will. So I'm a preacher, and I'm glad. I'm glad I'm not a principal. Oh, I go over there, I see some of those students, pray for your principal. Okay, I'm glad I'm not the governor. uh, Political races, are they not of the devil? Yes, they are. I don't want that. So I'll just be a preacher. Now, the point is God uses us for a particular purpose, and our skill set might look like other people's skill set, but it's refined and it's funneled down to a particular purpose. Moses had developed a general skill set, that was great for leading Egyptians in power. But he, he was not ready to lead God's people, you ready, in humility. Big, big difference. God's leadership requires humility. How do I know? Read the book of uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus, the greatest leader God ever sent to this earth himself, okay, he was a servant leader. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. He exercised humility, and and, and God's goal for you, every single one of you, is the same as it is for me. Are you ready? To conform to the image of Jesus Christ. And, And we have to serve. We have to develop some level of humility to ever conform to Jesus. Point number two, the problem with premature you see, Moses jumped in with both feet. He, in Acts 7, it says his heart was moved, and he went to check them out. And now what's he ready to do? Bam, I'm in the game. Okay, we're going to this bigger story, okay? I'm going to emancipate a people, and they know it, okay? I mean, he's excited, and he jumps in with both feet, but he's premature in doing so. Now, when we use the word premature, what do we usually think of? Babies. Now, by definition, premature simply means two words, too early. That's what it means, too early. Now, Moses just stepped into the greater will of God a bit too early. In fact, a good bit too early. And when we step into God's will too early, we make mistakes. Anybody ever made a mistake in here? Okay, that's good half of us. The other half yours is tomorrow. Um, We make mistakes. Now, Now, I want you to understand something. With the sovereign will of God and his greater will in our life, even when we make mistakes, he doesn't snatch the rug out from under us. 
He doesn't say, you know what? Uh, No more greater will for your life. No more significant use out of your life. No, he doesn't do that. He, he, re, he laser focuses on our life and he begins to get us ready for what it is he has for us to do. Now, here's what it looks like when we are premature in our actions for God. Exodus chapter 2, verse 12, the first part, he says, He looked this way and that way and he saw no one was there. You know you're premature in doing God's work if the first thing you do is look both ways to see if anybody's looking. You are more concerned about the horizontal impressions. In other words, what people think about you. It doesn't say he looked up. You see, he, he, he was unaware at this point that there is a God who sees our every move, our every action, knows our every thought. And he was unaware of that. He's thinking, man, if nobody's looking, wrong just got right. Have you ever thought that? That if I don't get caught, wrong may not be so wrong. In fact, it may be right. We've all been more concerned at times about what people thought more so than what God thinks. No doubt, Moses knew that Israel was a covenant people of God. He got that history lesson, no doubt about it. And no doubt, Moses knew that he was part of that covenant people. But also, no doubt, Moses didn't yet know the God of the covenant people. He didn't know God yet. He just didn't. He knew about God, how amazing he was, about his covenant and his promises, but he didn't know him. And I want you to know that there's a vast difference, a chasm of separation between knowing about God and knowing God. Moses was getting ready to step into a new part of his journey where it's not going to be a head knowledge. It's going to rattle his heart. It's going to change his footsteps. It's going to change his attitude. It's going to change everything about him just as God would plan it. So unaware that while looking horizontally, God is watching all of his steps, he thought that they would get it. He thought that they would know. I mean, they know that they're covenant people. They know God's going to deliver them at some point. Surely they're going to know when I step up to the plate because I'm coming from the palace and I'm going to do something on their behalf. So here it is, Exodus 12b. Then when nobody was looking, he attacked the Egyptian. He killed him and concealed the body in the sand. Uh, The second way you know that you're premature in doing things for God is if you're trying to cover up your business. Okay, if you're trying to hide the stuff you're doing, it's not God's plan for your life. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm a Christian, but I can tell you this with certainty, and I can tell you this about your life with certainty. Even as a child of God, there are things in our past that we would like to get out some OxyClean. There are things in our past that, you know that little magic eraser? I wish I would have thought of that. That thing is magic. It's incredible. And you would like to look in your life and just magic eraser some things. As some of us, it looks like our favorite commands on the keyboard is delay, uh, delete history. As some of our, our concealing is that we change our password on our phone. We turn off our tracking app. We do things in our life thinking that we're just living on this horizontal plane and we forget that God knows it all. It's a little alarming. Sometimes I wish God wasn't quite so sovereign. Sometimes I wish he didn't want to pay quite so much attention to my personal life. In fact, I could give him a, a list of others that I wish he would pay a little bit more attention to them, right? Meanwhile, God is watching our life, and we, meanwhile, we're trying to conceal the things in our life. And so the beauty of the greater calling 
Because he doesn't snatch it away. He doesn't take it away. He just has to get us ready to walk in it. And sometimes we're just not ready because we're premature. But I want you to know something about your life. Tell the person next to you. I think he's talking to you. And I am. In your life, God's greater calling on your life is still out there. You may not walk in it just yet, but he has not given up on you. That's good news for somebody like me. He didn't give up on me. And he will never give up on me. And he will never give up on you. If you are born again, if you are a child of God, he will never give up on you. You're a work in progress, just like Moses was, just like I am. Philippians 1.6 says, For I am sure of this very thing, that the one who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. When we were little kids, if you were in church, you sang this song, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be, right? And it's true. It's theologically sound. He's still, I'm 60 years old. He's still, I am still a a ball of Play-Doh. He's still working on me and he's working on you. And that's good news that he doesn't give up on us when we mess everything up. Now, let's keep going. What else does it look like when we're premature? Exodus 2, verse 13. Now, when he went out the next day, there were two Hebrew men fighting. So he said to the one who was in the wrong, why are you attacking your fellow Hebrew? And the man replied, "Uh, who made you ruler and a judge over us? Are you planning to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? (laughs) To them, he's just a a rogue Egyptian. He's a murderer. And isn't isn't it odd Yesterday, he's a murderer, and today he's Judge Judy. He got all the answers. Yesterday, he killed a guy, buried him in the sand. Today, hey, let me help you with your, with your conflict, okay? Let, let me help you sort this out. It doesn't work that way. He's living a dual, uh, a, a dual life, uh, a double life, he, a split personality because he's, he's in transition from who God allowed him to be and who God wants him to be. And it's the same with us, and this is what it looks like. And the problem with them saying, who made you the judge, is this. They're right. They're right. Sometimes we have an encounter with God, and now all of a sudden, we got all the answers. And unfortunately, what it looks like when we have all the answers, just like Moses, we call attention to the failures and the imperfections of other people. Moses is all messed up and he's saying, you guys, you don't need to be fighting each other, okay? Why do we do that? Because if we can get the attention off of our own brokenness, off of our own failures, and point the attention to someone else, it makes us feel better about ourselves. Moses knows he's, he's in a spot where he is struggling and he knows that God doesn't have him exactly where he wants him yet and so he's drawing attention to the other person. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter seven. Verse three says, why do you seek the speck in your brother's eye but fail to see the beam of wood in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye while this beam is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, remove the beam from your own eye and then you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It doesn't stop there. Moses is messing this thing up and he never saw it coming 
He's so blinded to it. How do I know? Acts chapter 7, verse 24. It says, when Moses saw one of them being hurt unfairly, Moses came to his defense and avenged the person who was mistreated by striking down the Egyptian. Listen at verse 25. He thought, Moses thought his people would understand that God was delivering them through him, but they didn't understand. Why? Because it's premature. Because he's not ready yet. I want you to see also in Exodus 2, what else does it look like? Verse 14, then Moses now was afraid. And he's thinking, surely what I did has become known. And when Pharaoh heard about this event, he sought to kill Moses. And Moses fled from Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian and settled by a certain well. How do we know he's premature? Let me tell you what two things will never walk side by side. They don't play well together with others for a child of God. Are you ready? Fear and faith. You see, we're to walk by faith and not by sight. Moses is purely walking by sight. Moses is looking at his own credentials. Moses is looking at how they're responding to him. Meanwhile, God's like, right here. Okay, I got this. If you'll put your hand up here and walk by faith, I'm going I'm to navigate you through all of the mess. I'm going to take you where I want you to be, and I'm going to do great things in your life. But he wasn't ready for it. He was premature, so rather than faith, he walked in fear. Now, he's going to figure this out. And I'll just, spoiler alert, chapter 12, Aaron and Moses stand before Pharaoh humbly and say, God's going to kill all of your firstborn children in your nation and all the firstborn of all your livestock too. It's going to happen tonight. It's called plague number 10. Or you can let the people go. Pharaoh said, I'm not letting them go. That night, the firstborn of all of Egypt and the firstborn of their livestock, the death angel took them out. Moses and Aaron stood before Pharaoh and said, I kind of told you, you're going to let us go now? And they go. He gets it. Because his power is not found in his own credentials. His power is found in faith in an amazing, powerful God. And so he will get it in time. Now, the problem with premature is that we create more problems than we solve when we get ahead of God's plan. But when we let God develop us fully and completely on his timeline, listen, it's beautiful. It's off the chain and amazing. Let me give you an example. I got a picture up here I'd like to show. I have a grandson. I dedicated him last week. Okay, we did. And he was born, that's not him. And he was born six weeks early. There he is. Six weeks early is what you call premature. Layman's terms, too early. He was too early. Now, he wasn't too early for us to love him. He wasn't too early for for God to give him life. He was just too early to accomplish. He was too early for the greater call on his life, which would be to leave the hospital and come home with his mommy and his daddy and his brother. Okay? And so that was uh, six months ago. So while in, they put him in a NICU, okay, neonatal intensive care, okay, And there he would stay for a couple of weeks. And he would get particular attention for the areas of his life that just weren't ready yet. Most of his little self was ready. But there were some weaknesses. There were some things that weren't developed enough to to go to the next level. And so he would get particular attention. He would get uh, special care just to develop his little lungs and the things, his, uh, his oxygen level and some of those things. Now... Here he is six months later. On God's timing, when everything is developed, 
No longer too early. This is what it looks like. What did I say it looked like? Beautiful. Is this little guy beautiful or what? You better say yes or I'm going to kick you out of the church. I don't have to tell you that because he is beautiful. He's awesome and amazing because that's the way God does things. You too cool, buddy boy. All right. Now, that's what God does. He takes things in their premature condition. He gives them particular care for the weaknesses in our life. And he gets us for the next part of the journey. All right. And when we let him do what he wants to do in our life, I can make you a certain guarantee from Scripture. It comes out beautiful on the other side. And it may not look like what we thought it would look like, but God's perspective is so much better because he knows what he's going to accomplish with every detail of a surrendered life. Number three. Okay, so now he's, he has left, Elvis has left the building. Moses is no longer in Egypt. He's in Midian. Listen to what happens. This is the process of preparation to get, to get Moses ready. Verse 16, now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and began to draw water and fill the troughs in order to water their father's flock. When some shepherds came and drove them away, Moses came up and defended them and then watered their flock. So when they came home to their father, Ruel or Jethro, he asked, uh, why have you come home so early? And they said, well, an Egyptian man rescued us from the shepherds and he actually drew water for us and he watered the flock. And Jethro said to his daughters, so where is he? Why in the world did you leave the man? I just love that line right there. Here's the father of seven daughters. Here comes an Egyptian who rescues his girls feeds the flock, and he's like, he's a keeper. I need somebody to take payments over on one of y'all. You, you need to call him. That's what it says. Call him in our day. Text him. Social media, get him in here, okay? He's a keeper, all right? And so they find Moses. This is what Jethro says. He says, uh, he says call him so that he may eat a meal with us. It's date night at Jethro's house, okay? He's going to get one of y'all girls tonight, all right? Now, here's what happens. He says, Moses agreed to stay with a man, and he gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Now, let me pause right there. It don't mean that night he came home and ate, you know, potatoes and lamb chops and got married. That's not what it means, okay? It means Jeth he came to Jethro's house. He served the daughters. He Now he's going to serve Jethro, and in time, he'll marry Zipporah. Listen to what it says in verse 22. When she bore a son, Moses named him Gershom, for he said, I've become a resident foreigner in a foreign land. 23, during that long period of time, the king of Egypt died and the Israelites groaned because of the slave labor. That long period of time. You know how long it is? 40 more years. Now let's just put this thing on a timeline. Moses is born at age two, or some, somewhere along that lines, he's given to Pharaoh's daughter. She takes him to Egypt to be trained, educated, uh, and protected from murder. He stays there 38 more years. He's 40. He murders a man. He runs to Midian. While in Midian with Jethro as a servant, 
He spends 40 years with no possessions. He doesn't even have his own flock. For 40 years, he serves this family and his father-in-law. Do you see how the disparity between who he was and who God is making him? I mean, he moved him from everything in his life he was served. I mean, he's the guy lounging around eating grapes under a palm leaf, okay? And now he's in the wilderness 40 years serving somebody else by taking care of somebody else's flock. Verse 24, they've cried. The nation of Israel cries. God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. God saw the Israelites and God understood. Now, God's back on the move. And Moses is 80. I got some encouragement for some of us older people. I'm 60. Moses didn't even get started till he's 80. That's encouraging. I like that. I don't want to quit. I don't want to retire. I don't. I mean, I like to play golf. I don't want to play every day. You know, I like to catch. I hate to fish, but like to catch. Okay. I wouldn't mind shooting, but I don't want to go hunting. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not wired like that. So I'm like Moses. I just, you know, let me stay in the game. And it's the same for you. I don't know when your day starts, but I know when it's over, when you die. And so at some place in all of our lives, not just the preacher, not just the emancipator Moses, every single child of God, God has a greater will for your life, a greater calling. And he wants to get you ready to engage in that. He wants to deploy you into something more beautiful than you understand. It is his kingdom, eternal agenda, where everything you do doesn't just affect today, it reaches into eternity. I'm telling you, man, that is so beautiful. Finally, the potential of posture. It all comes down to where we land in our relationship with God, our posture before him. Is it pride? Is it humility? Is it readiness? Is it procrastination? There's the potential hangs in the balance on our posture. Listen to this. Moving into Exodus chapter 3, and we're done, almost done. Verse 1, now Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert, and he came to the mountain of God, to Horeb. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from within a bush. And Moses looked, and the bush was ablaze with fire, but it was not being consumed. So Moses thought, I'll turn aside to see this amazing sight. Why does the bush not burn up? And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, you see, God's got his attention now. He's not looking horizontally. He's looking to God now. God called him from within the bush, and he said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. That is the posture before God that changes everything. It's not here I do, here I say, here I go, here I am. God, I'm not bringing anything to the table. I'm just here. 
You got my attention now. I thought I was something, but in your eyes, in your economy, I was nothing at all. But God, now I'm 80 years old. I'm ready. Here I am. If you want me to do nothing, nothing is what I will do. If you want me to do something, that something is where I want to be found. It's so good. And listen to me, church. This is a beautiful story. Scripture tells us the things written in the Old Testament are examples for us who live today. This isn't just a historical story about God using, an amazing God using some guy for something great. This is an example of what God wants to do in your life. He wants to use, I'm telling you, he wants to use you in a powerful way. And sometimes like Moses, we kind of get in a little bit of a rut and we get, we get in this little place where everything is kind of comfortable and we know both ends of the spectrum and we walk in it without, you know, messing things up or you know, without being afraid or not having to walk in faith. It just, there's nothing in the Bible that says, that calls us to comfort. Everything in the Bible calls us to discomfort, to, to the unknowns, that only God knows the answers to the questions. This church is a product of that, I'm telling you. Eight years ago... It was, it was in bad shape. It was in hard times. And there was about 50 people still meeting here. And, and they were meeting in, the, in the, what's now the student center. And, and they gave it away because they couldn't do it anymore. And I remember God had, Kendra knows this, God had stirred my heart to move out of the ministry I was in. And I had kindergarten through college. And I, it just changed my heart. And, and because I'm a bit like Moses, I thought, okay, I've got part of my education done now. I've been doing this for a while, been a part of a good church. He's going to send me to like a really great church, like a really cool church. So I got a call to a church, and I went and looked at it. It was, it was a cool church. It, this is it. This is it. I didn't even know the church existed. I saw it. They're going to call me to this church. I already had a vision for it. They called somebody else. I'm like, God, what are you doing? Dan, they sent me over here. They sent me over here to the church at Stur- Voila. Sent me to the church at Sturkey Hills. And what I had in my mind is not what it looked like when I showed up. But what I had in my my mind looks like this. It looks like this. The vision that God had given me didn't look like that. It looks like this. And eight years of changes to get to this. Now, I'm telling you, I don't bring that much to the table, okay? I bring some energy. He gave me energy and and, and faithfulness to him. That's about it, okay? He does the same thing in your life. He wants to do it in your life. I want you to hear me today. I want you to hear from God today. He wants to use you. But now listen to me. It all begins when you have the right posture. Because that's where the potential comes from. And the right posture is when you, not me, I've already done it. When you say, here I am. And you serve. It begins just like with Moses. It began when he, when he dropped his pride and picked up humility when he dropped his own personal uh, achievements and he surrendered it all to the power of God and God used it to change the world how much humility did Moses end up having listen to this amazing little verse Numbers chapter 12 verse 3 now the man Moses was very humble 40 years in the field with animals, dumb animals, it'll, it'll humble you. But it goes on. Moses was more humble than any man on the face of the earth. God's got him right where he wants him now, where he doesn't 
think very highly of himself and he thinks very highly of God. It has been said that if serving is beneath you, then leading is beyond you. If you're here, you're part of church family. God wants you to serve the church family. You're never more like Jesus than when you're serving somebody else. And his church is the launch pad for that. And when you begin to serve, it's a demonstration of humility. And at the same time, it's a demonstration of posture to God that says, here I am. This is what's before me. I'm going to do this till you tell me otherwise. We've got little boys and girls back here, and many of you serve back there. Man, I'm so proud of you all. I'm proud of our leaders and the little boys and girls God has entrusted us with. We've got a connection center. We've got greeters. We've got a coffee shop. We've got life groups. We've got home groups, community groups. There's all kinds of opportunities for you to find your place of service to other people to become more like Jesus. And that's my prayer today. That's our message today. You see what Moses, where Moses had to get to from leading to serving before he could really lead? And it's true for you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes today. Father, I thank you for this amazing story of Moses. I thank you, God, that you used him in a powerful way. He never lost. You never lost him. He was always in the crosshairs of your vision. And even when he failed, even when he was premature, you didn't snatch away his calling. You just had to get him ready. And God, I believe there's people in here today that you've called, that you have just great plans for. God, I pray that you would just on this day convict their heart to find their place now to begin to serve so that you can use them in a more powerful way leading in the future. And God, when they receive that into their heart, that conviction, help it be a revelation of not where they are, but where you want to take them, what you want to accomplish in their lives. Because only you, God, can do these great and wonderful things like we read about in this amazing book. And so, God, we give you praise for it. We thank you, God. I pray that if there's someone here today that, just like Moses, knew of God, they know of you today, they know about Jesus, but they don't know you. They don't have a relationship with you. God, I pray that on this day, your Holy Spirit would reach from heaven down into the depths of their soul and invite them into your forever family. That they would know without a doubt that on this day they were invited into grace. And God, that they would be willing to say, God, I am a sinner. I repent of my sin, meaning I change my mind about it. I agree with you. And God, on this day, I want Jesus, your son, to come into my life. I accept his gift of forgiveness upon a cross. I want his life seen in his resurrection. I want your Holy Spirit to come into me and seal me and fill me and help me live for you from this day forward. And for the rest of us, God, help us dive in to a new level of all you have for our life. And we give you praise and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast, and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.